0: Welcome back to the Matchstick Studio Podcast. Here we are again. That's matchstickstudio.co in your browser and on Instagram. Check them both out. My name is Jordan Carmen, and today we have Chris Green with
1: us. What's up, everybody? Back from the dead. Thankfully.
0: You weren't on last week.
1: No, that sickness, man. It got me down. Got me good.
0: It's going around. I think you were in a hard way.
1: I'm much better now, and I, I hope
0: that never happens to anyone. <laughs> we also have Tom Knox tickling the keys. Hey, everybody, doing the engineering for us today is very special. Uh, we got a a really great topic, something we do damn near every day, and uh, so we have brought in the other co-founder of Match Six Studio, creative director, designer extraordinaire, Austin Phillips welcome to the podcast
2: hey what's up guys
0: so we today are going to talk about web design dun dun dun
2: (laughs) all right i hate web design
0: there's more (laughs) no fun at all there's more that goes into it everybody's interacted with it i mean it's 2020 everybody has interacted with the web
2: i think i mean if you haven't ever used a website we might you might should you know think about some things. If
1: you're listening to this podcast. And <laughs> you don't know you, what the internet is? You've not visited a website. Come to our office and we will show you. <laughs> we'll help you out with that. We have it. We have it printed out, actually. Yeah, exactly. It'll be printed on a big piece of paper.
2: For you. <laughs> has that ever happened before?
1: Never. Okay. That never. has never happened. No one ever wants to print a website. Uh. But I think it's important.
0: Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of what we do, obviously. Uh, we do full custom web design. We also have our modular product. Uh, that is a little less expensive. Gets people up and running. Maybe some startups or or some small businesses up and running a little bit quicker. But it's you know it's all web design nonetheless. And so I think today we're going to talk about maybe some of the some of the best practices, some of the pitfalls that people might run into. Um, maybe even a little bit of content, a little bit of a little bit of tech stuff maybe we'll get into it but i think i want to go around the room and maybe get maybe start off the conversation with some pet peeves of web design because i know for me i hate uh going to a website and not being able to get the contact information as quickly as possible that's one of my biggest pet peeves oh yeah about uh websites that people have either maybe the menu doesn't work or i'm just looking for a phone number or an email address or a way to get in contact or the address which, which is usually the case i just want to find the address how do i get to this place mm-hmm.
1: and it's super hard to find
0: and i hate it yeah that's one of my I'm pet right peeves. there with
1: you on that that's the one that or even the phone number if i'm trying to call if it's not on your website come on well it's
2: and ridiculous. even when the phone number is there but you can't tap it To actually make the phone call Mm -hmm. and you have to try to you know open that up and then write the phone number down so you actually then dial it on your phone like it's 2020 there's absolutely no reason to do that to people
0: just tap it that's all you got to do just tap it let's just tap it just Just tap tap it it in be able to tap that phone number and call that seems important
1: immediately collect
3: that lead that's right what about you tom Got any pet peeves? Yeah, that's definitely one of them. Um, Not being able to tap uh, the phone number to give them a call right there and then. Uh, Also, um, one of my biggest pet peeves of, uh, I guess it has to do with web design in a way, is businesses that use their Facebook profile as their (laughs) business website. (laughs) Which is a terrible idea, by the way. Awful. Awful. You know
0: Facebook is going to go down. I've already mentioned it once. And I'll mention it here again, and I'll mention it a thousand more times on these podcasts. You mean the pods? Oh, God. That's rule number one, man.
1: Come on. My bad. My bad.
0: Facebook will not last forever. The, The sooner Facebook dies, the better. If you do not own your own space online where people can come find your business, interact with you, Get your contact information. Create that new lead. If you're not doing that, if all you have is a Facebook page, you're in for a hard time when Facebook finally dies. Everybody remembers MySpace, right? We're all old enough to remember MySpace. Oh, yeah. And Even what happened sure, to that? Yeah. Even Zanga. <laughs> yeah, man,
1: that was the big one
0: when uh, I was in like, like Come middle on. school. Oh man, <laughs> just,
2: just think about it. if you were a business and you tried to use a MySpace as your website for your business, and you spent five, six, ten years, you know, working on and you know all letting your little people, friends, right? Yeah, you know, letting people realize or find that that's how they could find you on the web, and then MySpace went away. All, your entire web presence, all that work for ten years, is mm-hmm. it's gone. It baffles me that
0: the amount of people that Stake, how much stock they put into Facebook, yeah. and they try to build that up. Well, you don't even own it either. No, so it's somebody you know, else's platform. Infor- yeah, someo- you're giving all that money information to the
1: that you know you you're collecting, or even messages. You know, those are things that you don't even own. Exactly. Well, and, and
2: even ten years ago, you know, when you could have had twenty or fifty thousand followers on your Facebook, or I guess people who liked your page that had a lot more value than it does now because Mm -hmm. you could post something and uh, the majority of those people would see it. You know, now maybe 1% of those people are going to ever see anything you post. So there's really no purpose of having your web presence on Facebook unless you want to spend buku's of money on ads to promote every single post so that any of your users will see your
0: content. Yeah, the organic reach is so small now. If you do have that 20,000 and you make a post, they might show it to 200 yeah, and if I mean, you're
1: lucky, but they want you to pay to boost that post, yeah, so course. that way it's you know viewable viewable by the uh, you know a greater percent of people. So, but Jordan. one side question though is what if Matchstick Studio had a, had their platform on a MySpace page? What would y'all's music you know oh, page God. choice
2: Ooh. be? I'd have to leave that up to Jordan
1: at
0: He's that time. Here. Let's see what are we sure, talking sure, like sure. 2006?
1: Yeah, probably 2006. what 2002 2004 somewhere in there
0: that's true facebook showed up on the scene 2004 so myspace was real hot and heavy 2001 2002 maybe man i was a big tooth and nail nerd Mm. so it'd probably be like under oath or something like that
1: (laughs) (laughs) but could you imagine going to a business page today and then just some music auto plays in the background just the choices that people could have man maybe we need to add that to our framework yeah, you're on to something here, man. <laughs> yeah.
3: You are on to something.
1: That, that, I'm going to add that to on. our features
2: list. That ties in really well to kind of one of my pet peeves uh, with web design is when companies or you know they hire a company to do their website and the website takes away control from the user in that it's auto-scrolling for mm-hmm. you or it's playing music automatically or it's playing videos automatically, which is it's taking that control away from the user and that can be a really frustrating experience. And there's no telling how many websites I've instantly just closed because music or a video or something starts playing, and I just can't get rid of it. You know, I've got yeah. the close button hidden, or it's outdated, and you can't close it because the browser's not operating correctly, or something like that. That's just—it's just a horrible user experience to autoplay and mm-hmm. auto scroll and uh, audio and everything coming out like that. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think it's a lot of people's pet peeve i know the safari and chrome and a a lot of the browsers are trying to cut down on that as much as possible especially the autoplay but i i agree i hate the uh whether that's a library or something like that that's uh doing something different to Mm -hmm. the scroll
1: ah man that bothers the heck out of me What's your thoughts on websites that you know, you type in the website name and then they have a enter this website page? That's the that's <laughs> the first page you go to for a business. The, to me, it is the most like school. all right, I'm I don't even want to waste my time and go into this. Unless I absolutely have to, I'm just gonna to go to somewhere else. I, I feel, feel like that was no cool point in, in two thousand two. Yeah, that's that yeah. super that feels... cool in
2: 2002 to have an
0: inner
1: screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: almost like a like a loading page almost. And a lot of times mm-hmm. they would, they'd have some kind of little loading graphic. Then have, have an enter button right there. Back when
1: AOL was around, yeah, <laughs> running around with those <laughs> AOL CD. CDs, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, so I want to get Austin your opinion on. There's a lot of different. Uh, mentalities out there. I know we run into some of those when, when we bring on new clients and things like that. Um, as far as navigations or uh, wanting, how do people get in contact with me? Do you have sort of those best practices that, that businesses can be doing to get people through their doors?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think one of the first and primary things that you need to consider is creating an experience that's seamless across all devices. Um, And that's one of the things that's really challenging for our clients and anybody who's tried to build a website before. Um, is that you not only have to think about how is that website going to be interacted with on a desktop, but also how is it going to be used on a tablet or maybe a 30-inch monitor or you know, a, a, an iPhone. Um, and there's so many different screen sizes. It can be a really frustrating experience for the person who might interact with your website on... Multiple devices. They may be at work where they first heard about your company and they, you know, pulled it up on their 27 inch mm-hmm. monitor. And then that night they tried to pull the same website up on their phone and they can't find what they're looking for because the experience is totally different. The menu isn't intuitive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, uh, it's not the way that they remembered it looking um, earlier in the day. And so one of our, biggest goals when we design a website is to create an experience that's seamless across the devices. So it's going to be, it's going to look the same. It's going to function the same way. You're not going to have unique uh, functionality between different devices. And I I would say that's kind of the core of creating a great Mm -hmm. web experience is that it's seamless.
0: I'm amazed still to this day that we have a lot of clients that come to us and they ask, will this look good on my phone? Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, of course it should. Yeah. It always should.
1: Well, I'll even say that's the first thing that it should do. (laughs) I'll even say coming from like an outside perspective in, you know, just kind of joining and being here. Like I didn't even realize like web response or like a responsive website was a thing before I started working here. And so I think for a lot of people, if you're not familiar with this area industry, it's like, that's a question maybe that, that we think is, you know, kind of absurd but at the same time it's like man th- those are the things that like as someone who's may you know most of the people that are probably doing the DIYs and stuff like that they don't they don't do this on a day-to-day basis these are things that you know those people are coming to us and asking those things and we've got a, a that that absurdity around that question is just a it's almost like a like a misconception of what what can be done and what what we are doing.
0: Yeah, technology moves so fast. I'm always a little shocked at um, maybe people's perceptions of yeah. what something should look like on mobile and responsive web, which is what we do. Everything we do is re- 100% responsive. Mm-hmm. Not only does it provide the best best experience for your potential customer or client. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is the most efficient thing, yeah, from a development perspective. So and a cost perspective and cost, point. yeah, because you do it once mm-hmm. and it looks great everywhere. Back in the back in the old times, you know, we're talking 2010. Back in the old days, they used to stand up multiple separate websites. Specifically, exactly. if, if you're old enough to remember a mobile. Like you'd see m dot or mm-hmm. mobile dot yeah. in your URL, your browser. Mm-hmm. They had to code the website twice to get it to show up well. And then what happened with tablets?
1: Three times. Three times. So so yeah, they you'd a ta- have, the T they the to have tablet a tablet dot. version. Oh yeah, I never realized that. I don't think I really ever owned a tablet or used a tablet that much. Yeah, especially in the early days so. of the
2: iPad. Wow, yeah, sure. I you I basically, if, if a company came in and wanted a website, yeah. we'd have to do a desktop website, a tablet website and a iPhone website. And I mean, imagine the you know, the cost of doing a website yeah. now times three because you have to do it three times. And that's, you know, that's when you got into major trouble with totally different experiences mm-hmm. between devices because it was new territory, it was uncharted territory, and and designers and developers were trying to figure it out, and a lot of times you'd have completely different experiences on each device, which was really, really frustrating. Luckily, that did not last very long, and now we do what's called a responsive website. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's one thing that a lot of people just don't understand. They may not know what the word responsive means. It's it's essentially, we design one website, and that website kind of stretches and expands Mm -hmm. based on the size of the device. And honestly, a lot of times we have to tackle uh, websites backwards because people still want to see the desktop version. That's what they want to see. That's what they want to review. That's what they want to see the designs in. But the reality is, really, only maybe 25, 30% of traffic is going to be on a desktop device. So what they don't see in the back end is when we're designing the website, we're designing it almost completely from a mobile perspective. How is it going to function on a phone and a tablet? How is it going to look? How are these images going to work? And the desktop is really the afterthought. But when we present the work, a lot of times we're presenting desktop screens first because if we didn't do that most people would be very confused and wouldn't wouldn't really feel like they have an idea of what their website's going to look like
1: well that's almost like the customer education portion of it too it's just it seem it seems more and more like the industry is kind of sectioning itself off to where we're like people are having to educate the customers on what's actually being done rather than just which granted i wasn't in here before so you know y'all might have a different experience but At least I feel like from the experiences I've had at past jobs, it's been like, okay, we go, we say we want a website. All right, well, then they just go and do their thing. There's no conversation behind a mobile or desktop or anything like that. But then it comes down to the very end, and then they're like, oh, by the way, we need a mobile website too, so just add that on.
0: One of the number one questions that we get, which I mentioned a second ago, is, Mm -hmm. is this going to look good on my phone? So I think a lot of people in the past – whether they're using templates, which everybody should know by now that we hate templates.
1: <laughs> if you haven't heard it, you just heard it again. <laughs> you just heard it now. We don't so. use
0: templates. We hate templates. Okay. Not every business is created equal. Mm-hmm. And so we like to, awesome, we like to design according to the uh, business that we're designing for because everybody's a little bit different. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But well, one thing that doesn't change is that we will ensure that it looks great on every single screen size that's humanly possible. Exactly.
2: Well, and that may, you know, clients coming in, having an existing website that doesn't look good on mobile. Maybe it looks okay on desktop, maybe not, but it many times looks atrocious on mobile and tablet. And a lot of that is because they use a template and the template was, you know, maybe cost 15 bucks or something like that. Almost no thought was put into how it looked on a mobile device. And honestly, when they were probably picking out that template... As most people do, they look at it on their desktop computer, mm-hmm. on their, you know, on their uh, laptop or on their big thirty-inch monitor in their office. Yeah. And hey, you know, it looked good; it looked pretty good for the year that they were, you know, putting that website up. They never thought to actually test that template out on their phone,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
2: And then they get a couple years down the road and they realize, well, you know, I am not getting much traffic; people aren't using my site; it's not converting. And it's really because it has a horrible mobile experience, and seventy or eighty mm-hmm. percent of their traffic is on a mobile device.
1: Well, that's the added, and that's the added benefit too of using someone who's in this industry every day, like you or Jordan, and, and us as a team. You know, they're going to get that opinion and that perception or that uh, perspective on on those items, right? How do
0: you handle contact information? Because I know that's, uh, like I said at the jump, that that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Is most of the time when I'm going to a website, I want to get in contact with them in some way. Either I pass by their retail space and I want to check them out a little bit more, or I'm trying to go to an event that they're hosting and I want to figure out how to get there. Um, what's, what's sort of the most important things to you or what's your process for figuring out how to ensure that the correct contact information is always showing up for a potential customer?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's different for every single client. I think one of my first questions that I typically ask a new client, or even if it's an existing client that we're doing something new on the web for, if there's going to be contact information on the site, which there usually is, I'll ask them, what contact info do you want? And the typical answer is, well, we want phone, we want email, we want our address, all of that. But then my second question is, well, what is your priority? Like if you could choose the way for, your, for people to contact you, which way do you want them to contact? Do you want them to pick up the phone? Some people do not want calls. They want their phone number on there, but they don't want to get a lot of calls. They want email. Some people want text messages. So we try to take that information, we figure out what's the priority and we make a, create a user experience that drives people to that form of contact information. So it may be much larger. It may be higher up on the page. We may use specific colors to draw the user's eye towards that specific action that we want them to take. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what I consider kind of the basics, but still so many websites don't get right, like we talked on the beginning. If it's a phone number, you make it tappable on the phone, so you can just tap it and call. If it's an address, you make it to where there's some kind of a button or a link where you can... Tap that link, and it opens in Google Maps or whatever your native maps software mm-hmm. is on your computer. Um, forms, another thing that should be really simple, but so many websites have trouble with them. They don't work because they're using some kind of a plug-in, or they get incorrect information, or it's not sent to the right address, things like that. So just having a s- form that's simple that asks the minimum necessary information. Mm. And I mean, I think that kind of covers the, the basics of contact. Yeah, that's what I like to tell
0: people also, because uh, people will sometimes say, they I, I need this question, and this question, and this question, and this question, and this question on, on my contact form. It's like, well, what's more important to you, getting somebody to fill out a 25-question survey, or just getting their information so that you can create that potential customer, or client, or yeah. lead, and get them into
2: your business so you can talk to them about what you want to do. do. Exactly. And honestly, that's something that most people, when you ask that question, they're kind of surprised because they realize, well, I haven't really thought about that before. You know, in their mind, they're thinking, what's the most efficient way? Well, ask every single question that I could possibly need to know. Then I'll have that information, and it cuts down on time. The problem is, when you have 20 questions, how many people, I would be interested from the listeners, how many people would actually fill out a 20-question question, you know, email form on a website.
1: I'll tell you right now, I would be highly, <laughs> <laughs> highly bail. irritated bail. and bad. I mean, if it goes past four sure.
2: questions, that's that's tough yeah. for me to
1: do that. I really don't want to do more than four questions. I feel like filling out my taxes is too many questions. So. <laughs> well,
0: obviously, that's entirely yeah. too many questions. <laughs> By the way, the government already knows the amount of money you make. Oh, yeah. No. So Why do you have to do it's the really work? Anyway, that's... Hey, we're not getting political. That, that's rule <laughs> oh, number no, two. That, that's not political, is it? I don't know. <laughs> taxes? Dang it. No, taxes I missed, aren't political at all. I, missed, uh, I messed up on rule number two. What's up, Tom? Uh,
3: quick question on contact forms. Um, what are your thoughts, Austin, as a designer, on um, required contact form fields um, from a user perspective? Um, so let's say you have a 20-question form, but only four of those are required. Um, do you think that... Do you think that the form itself is daunting just to see that many inputs? Yes. Uh, and even though these a lot of these inputs aren't required, they're optional. Do you think that it's still daunting from a user's perspective to see that many inputs on the page?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I would ask you, if you got to a page and you wanted to fire off a quick question to a company about a product or something, and you get to their contact form and you see 20 form fields, are you going to take the time to click on every single one to see if it's required or not? No. No, no, that, you're not. It needs to be. I think, it or needs even to be if it noted. just has the star,
3: yeah. <laughs> you're still, yeah. <laughs> what am I yeah. supposed
2: to read through all of this? <laughs> yeah, that's way too much reading. Yeah. I mean, really, when I mean, we're looking at about 15 seconds, I mean, with with any kind of website, if anything is going to take more than 15 seconds, you've lost them. Like they are mm-hmm. going to bail. They are gone. You have from the time they enter your website, you've got 15 seconds. They used to say 30 seconds, but people's attention spans are getting shorter Dang, and shorter. Kids. Because Netflix, you know, and <laughs> honestly, I f- still feel like 15 seconds is being too generous. I would say yeah. you need to catch their attention in 10 seconds or less, or you've lost that
1: customer. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's almost the importance. F- I mean, obviously, for you, you're you you know you do design and UX, and you take both of those into consideration. And which is
0: user experience. Yeah, UX yeah. for those that don't know. Yeah.
1: So, having someone who who is a professional in both of those is extremely important when you're talking from a like a web design perspective. And if I guess which I'm not sure if this is much of a thing anymore. I'm sure UX is I mean, UX is a growing and growing field. But as we get into it and see certain things, it's like I can't believe someone actually okayed this in some user experience cases.
0: A lot of that comes down to individual opinions, customer opinion, or like whoever the business owner is, they might have a special opinion that they want their cat to be like front and center on the, on the website or whatever. Make the mouse cursor the cat. (laughs) Yeah. Even though it's maybe not conducive to a great uh, website experience or Mm -hmm. to getting them more leads. We do run into that quite a bit. Yeah.
2: No, that's a good point. I mean, ultimately, it's a collaboration between the client and the company that's building mm-hmm. or designing your website. You know, uh, for us, and my goal is always to design a website that f- first and foremost functions and performs the function of the website, whether that's to increase sales or to get yeah. contact information. That's the number one goal. The second goal is it... it looks good it's an accurate representation of their brand and their products Um, ultimately that's those are our top two goals of the website every once in a while we do bump up against a client who has really specific requests that we feel like undermines our first primary first two primary goals of the website and then that becomes a kind of a conversation of where do we find kind of a happy medium to accomplish you know a specific request of the client Mm -hmm. without you know without it being detrimental to the goals of the website yeah
1: well i think in two going to that like you know creating that happy medium you have to you're all like it's almost a jack-of-all-trades kind of situation because you have to have someone who's who's good with marketing perspective if you're trying to get leads right Mm -hmm. and maybe that client's business has nothing to do with marketing so maybe they don't have that expertise but that's almost the important like the importance of going like if you're choosing someone and trying to find someone to do this type of stuff, these are the type of things that you've got to think of. They've got to be good in so many different areas that it's almost impossible in my for my perspective to have just one person who can do that, which is it's why it's so important to have a team of people who can give different perspectives into those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Every, and everybody uses the web differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is it's always amazing to me because we always run into folks that use the internet just a little bit differently than than what we're used to and it's it's always kind of one of the well and i always ask like what made you think that you would want to do that or you would want to click there Mm -hmm. uh and and how can we learn from that and what people are doing uh i do want to get up. i don't want to ramble on for too long um we are trying to keep this thing tight is that true yeah Sure. No, somewhat. All right. Somewhat true. I mean, uh,
1: I didn't get the script today, so I, what? I don't know no, how. No, there's no script, type. man. Oh. There's no script. My bad, my bad.
0: You should know. If you were a longtime listener of the program, <laughs> you would know there's no script. <laughs> I, I do want to kind of ask Austin what maybe the role of uh, colors or uniqueness kind of plays into. So speaking to what maybe you were just talking about, Chris. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into web design and we have already talked about, we don't like to do templates. We like for our clients to have unique websites, but at the same time, there's also some best practices that you can have uh, depending on the moment in time of technology that you're at. So, so I kind of want to put the question to you and maybe a little open-ended just the role that maybe colors or menus or different things play into the web design and how often maybe that needs to be updated
2: or, or refreshed? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And for me as a, a designer at heart, I mean, the world revolves around color and typography and, and shapes. Um, that's kind of the world that I live and breathe in. Um, but again, you can't put so much of an emphasis on just the way things look to the point that the website doesn't function well um, or doesn't achieve its, its core purpose. There's plenty of websites that are highly artistic and they're beautiful to look at and really, really interesting, but they're impossible to navigate through um, because everything is so unexpected and so different. They're a cool mm-hmm. experience, but they're not a functional website for business. Um, but color does play a huge role because color in this world... Color is one of the things that attracts our eye more than anything else. You know, imagine if if everything in this world was gray and white, it would be really, really boring to look at, and everything would kind of blend together. So it'd be really easy sad to
1: pick th- out my uh, morning attire, though.
2: <laughs> makes me sad just thinking about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about. Um, when spring happens you have start having the flowers bloom and you start getting more color and the grass turns green like those colors are very eye catching and they draw mm-hmm. your eye in and it's because our our eyes just function to pick up on bright colors they focus in on it um and so that's why a color palette for a company is really important a well thought out color palette that's beautiful and supports their brand but is also highly functional is so important um We use color to direct the user's eye. So when they land on the page, we use specific color in specific locations to draw the person's eye to, say, a call to action or a a big photograph with a lot of color in it to um, get them interested in a specific paragraph that we want them to look at. Again, with the goal of having them click that button and move to the next page that we wanted them to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes we get a, a company in here or working on a website that has just a very monochromatic color palettes, maybe it's just black and whites and grays or something like that, that while might, it might look very artistic um, that's a very artistic color palette, very minimalistic, it's challenging from a, a user experience perspective on the web because we don't have a color that catches the eye mm-hmm. um, and so many times we'll recommend adding some kind of a brighter color within their brand to allow us to direct users and create a user path through the website. Because without that, it, you end up with kind of a sea of sameness that just, while it might look beautiful, it doesn't get people moving and navigating through a website. I like what you said too about shapes also, and maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Because we
0: do have people that Uh, maybe can't see color, maybe they're colorblind or uh, have some sort of disability for the web. And we have to account for those people as well. And I think shape, you know maybe it's the shape of the call to action, the button itself. Uh, Shapes can help uh, sort of also guide uh, the user when maybe they don't have that color palette
2: to see. Right, for sure. And a lot of that can be accomplished with contrast as well. So even if you can't, see colors or if you're colorblind or you can't see colors in the same way that you know uh, most people can. The contrast between the colors that we build on the website uh, still allows you to see that. So if you have a, a very dark colored button on top of a very light colored background, it's going to allow that button to stand out, regardless of the actual colors, because there's that color tone contrast. You can still see it. But we'll use uh, shapes and blocked block shapes and sections to separate content throughout a website, so that you don't end up with. You say say you have a homepage with you know ten sections on it if you don't have, use shape and dimension to separate all that content, you end up with what could look like just a really, really long paragraph and nobody wants to do that. So we use shapes and sections to split content up. So it's, we make content very uh, kind of bite-sized, digestible, like a small headline, a small paragraph, and then maybe a call to action button rather than just having one you know section of five paragraphs of text.
0: How much do you love it? This is a question for everybody. How much do you love it when you go to a website and it looks like it was built in nineteen ninety five? One of my favorite throwbacks. <laughs> no. Definitely brings back a little you bit didn't of not yeah, even have to go to the of Yeah, you didn't to to have to go to the Wayback thought to see this
1: place still in my Yeah. thought Is is this place still in business <laughs>
0: yeah yeah oh for sure if they are still in business and their website looks like it's from 1995 they're probably hurting for business yeah yeah definitely and if they
1: aren't what are they what do they got over there that's keeping them in business because man we do run into those
2: every once in a while a website that we look at it and we're like how is this possible i mean it's like looking into a time capsule i mean the internet lasts forever
1: (laughs) that's true if they still have it up there so for a customer like uh, who's just looking for like a one like their whole thought process is I'm going to use a DIY solution because I just want to have something on the you on, bring up on the, the web. DIYs, dude. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. Hold All on, All right, I'll listen. Yeah. So they <laughs> use a DIY solution, you know, or whatever. The problem, I guess, in my mind with that is that from a design perspective, a marketing perspective, in the from the background, the reason why the at least in my mind why they would want to have that is because they just want something for people to view, to contact them. There's still a marketing need, there's still a lead generation need there. Like I guess from a business perspective, I would say that there's still unique design that needs to be played into that as a business owner for both of you guys. What what are what do you kind of say around, you know, just trying to get something up to to work for in the meantime or whatever. Well, I mean, I mean, every
2: situation is different. We've definitely had si- situations and clients where they had an event that was coming up. There wasn't time, realistically, to put the entire website together, and so we'll put together a kind of a splash page mm-hmm. or a standalone single page that has their logo, their brand on there, maybe a contact form. So if anybody did, tent, you know, happen to hit their website in that time frame, there's something there. Yeah. They don't just end up with a white page. Um, But I would say something like that really should only be a temporary thing Mm -hmm. um, because, again, it's 2020. Everyone, if they hear your name and they have even a 1% interest in your company, they are going to Google you. And with you asking about the kind of the DIY deal, you might might have someone that thinks like, okay, well, I don't need a lot of information. I just need my contact information so people can find me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do something really inexpensive and fast to stick up there. The problem with that is they probably aren't going to be able to find you because it wasn't done correctly. It wasn't built in a way that anyone will be able to find you. So it's really not serving you any purpose unless you're, you know, specifically telling people go to this website right now. You Mm -hmm. know, I I think there's a use case for, for everything, but something like that is very for an actual business. That's wanting to actually
1: make money. The times where something like that is wise is very limited. Yeah, I just think like any business owner, you're budgeting right. You think, oh, I've got my water bill, I've got you know my office bill, the rent bill, whatever it might be. The the website should just fall under that utilities. You know, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's something that you have to have, even if you need a one page brochure type. Just say, hey, give me a call and I'll come come and do whatever, whatever it is your business does. That's still so important to have a design and UI, UI UX type situation and having someone professional look at that and that goes into what something we say all the time Mm -hmm. which is
0: you know speaking to the diys which i hate thanks for bringing it up uh
1: i just like poking the
0: bear (laughs) but if you if you are a business owner that's out there and you know it doesn't matter what it is retail service business whatever and you're trying to design your own website Mm. in one of the DIYs, but you don't know the principles of web design. Like what do you, that's a lot of time. Are you going to spend the time to learn everything there is to know about web design to create that? I mean, Squarespace and Wix and all those guys, they have a lot of great tools. Yep. But if you don't know how best to direct Mm. your market, your demographic to Making contact with you and turning them into a customer,
2: you're just, you're kind of just spinning your wheels at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of spending time to play around on the web, really. I mean, and those tools, they have a great, like you've pointed out in previous podcasts. There's a great purpose for those. If you have a blog or you're a, yeah. a college student or a high school student a little hobby. is doing like, you know, or even if you're in college and you're doing like a business proposal plan for a class and you need to stand up in a website as part of that process, like yeah. there's no reason to go spend money on, on that or a lot of money. Use a DIY tool for something like that. Yeah. But if it's something that you're actually intending to use to generate business and grow a business, it's just it's not a good idea. And, and one of the reasons I say that is, say you get two or three years down the road with your company, and it's struggling, maybe sales aren't as great as you think they should. In those two or three years, at, at that point, you're gonna be sitting there wondering, is it because my product isn't as good as I thought it was, there's maybe not a market for it, or is it because my website as a tool for selling isn't functioning well? It's yeah. not functioning, and, and then how do you know? Do you, how do you know that all three of those years that you've spent working so hard on this company, was it all for complete waste just yeah. because you used a DIY tool and it just doesn't perform? You know, would your business be booming if you had a well-oiled machine for a website that worked correctly and helped generate leads and sales for you? That's a really tough question. And would you be willing to invest those three years again without knowing that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the thought process behind, you know, oh, I just need to stand something up. I just need to put something up so people know me like that. As a business owner, it's it's like you're trying to take a shortcut on something that you can't take a shortcut on. Like you, you're not doing yourself any service by just putting up something for, you know, if using a DIY solution for that. Because first of all, you're not going to be able to find your. No one's going to be able to find you. You're going to have something that twenty thousand million whatever whatever number that is. They also yeah. have that, so maybe i've gone to gone to another website that has that same template, and I'm like, man this looks really familiar yeah. what what's going on here you're I not mean, setting yourself apart it's and that's not what unique you have to do all, yeah. yeah a
2: lot of that mentality I think is still being carried over from the entry days of the internet, where mm-hmm. you know having a website wasn't crucial to your business it was brick and mortar. And phone calls. That's how you did business, and it was the idea of like. I still got the rolodex on my desk. Probably should have a (laughs) website. And as you know, as the years have progressed, people have realized a website's more important. But in 2020, if you ask yourself this question, does my business need a phone number? If the answer is yes, then that same emphatic yes should be to a good, well-functioning website. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always surprised by the number of businesses
0: that we encounter which, and I'm happy to have them as clients, obviously, but they, they're five million in revenue, 10 million in revenue, yeah. 15 million, 20, 25 million in revenue, and they're still using the DIY, and they're wondering why they're, either the DIY or the template-based type WordPress, which we've already talked about how terrible WordPress is, they're still using those things, and they're wondering, well, how can I get more leads? That 25 million could be a $50 million company, probably if they would get off the diy yeah Mm -hmm.
1: mainly from search alone just being able to be found
2: yeah not and speed yeah i mean speed is such a big deal and that's again that goes into something that i think about a ton when we're designing a website that when i try to explain that people it kind of goes in one ear and out the other they don't really understand how important speed is to the function of their website yeah, and that's... We could go into... We should probably have
0: an entire episode about page speed because we could talk for... I've got a lot of opinions. Well, we could talk for miles. If yeah. that's, is that a saying? We could talk for miles. Sure. We'll make it one right now. You yeah. just heard it here first. <laughs> we could talk for miles about page speed because there's a lot of that that goes into that. You know, you see these advertisements, whether it's AT&T or Verizon or or whoever is your ISP, and, and you're getting, you know... DSL, yeah. and now you're getting fiber, and now here's here's the next big thing. Here's 5G or whatever. And it's going to make everything faster. That kind of makes people not worry as much, like you're saying about. It doesn't make people put, a, put enough emphasis or thought into the speed of it because they know mm-hmm. that, like, well, the Internet's faster now, so my website can be... A hundred megabytes worth of information, when that's probably not the best user experience for somebody who's just trying to
2: get, you know, your contact information. Right. Well, and I would ask Chris, like Chris, what do you think the average person thinks is like a reasonable
1: amount of time for your website to load? Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> no, but like, what's really? that? Like uh, a second? Or uh, less? Probably. I would say one to two seconds. I, m- me and my friends always joke that you know and this isn't about web speed but um no internet is better than slow internet and <laughs> when it comes down to a web page like earlier today jordan and i were looking at a website and i it was loading so slow and we were we were in the, we had to look at this it was it was necessary The fact that i had to wait 10 seconds granted i feel like i'm a pretty patient person you know i could tell you were getting frustrated yeah i was like i'm done with this like there's no reason whoops sorry i I hit the mic there but there is no reason that in 2020 i should have to wait that long for your website to load (laughs) Mm -hmm. and And what about on mobile though
2: i mean do you think it's maybe more acceptable for like a five second load time on a mobile phone
1: potentially because on mobile i always think of okay First of all, what what's what network am I on? How many bars do I have? Am I in an LTE spot? You know, those are I try and take into consideration. You take a lot more
0: into consideration than most people.
1: So, well, it it might be
0: one
2: to two seconds. no matter what you're on. According, well, then I'm going to hold it to that standard. (laughs) You should now on. You should. According to Google, they recommend one second as the basic really like, that's basics they what they say you should shoot for is a half second a half second the page should be loaded the bounce rate from a one second load to a three second load increases 32 percent. wow which by the way the bounce rate is the number of people who might try to go
0: to a page and maybe they viewed the page maybe they didn't but they immediately navigated away it could be for a number of reasons, but page speed is definitely one of them. So if your if your bounce rate, they tried to go to a page and immediately bounced, that's
1: not good. I right. bet I've pissed so many people off with that then. <laughs> I mean, you're you contributing to the bounce rate. <laughs> I go to so many different pages and just immediately, oh shit, I didn't mean to go there. <laughs> can you
2: imagine if you're losing 32% of your customers simply because your website takes number.
1: 3 seconds to load versus 1 second to load? It's a high number depending on how many customers you have. If you just have two that's
0: customers. A high, no, it's not a matter how many customers you have. That's a high number. If you you're losing
2: 32% of your potential business, I mean, is that worth saving a few bucks because you used a DIY site that takes 3 or 4 seconds to load? Not to me. No. I wouldn't to lose 32% of your business. That's a lot. <laughs> that and in 2020, lot. Google is moving to a mobile-first indexing. So, they've already mobile, done that. They did that in 2018. Well, but for mobile speed, they've mobile already done it. Speed, it's already done.
0: They've already done it. All right, you heard they, it your first. They, they did that in 2018. They, they will, uh, if your, if your website is slow, they,
2: they will rank. not rank you. Well, then they may be increasing the the value that that has on it because there's, there's that's supposed to be a big increase in 2020 is the value of mobile speed on your ranking. I think what
0: yeah. The, What you might be referring to is they're going to start showing people, Mm -hmm. which we talked about on the WordPress podcast. They're going to start actually... They've already started downranking you. If your website is slow, they will downrank you today. What they're going to start doing is actually showing your potential customer (laughs) that your website is slow. Which I
1: absolutely love.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you might get a splash page now that says, "Oh, or, or even in the search results, unusual unusually
1: slow load times for this website just a shout out to everyone if uh you happen to have that by your name i will not be your customer so <laughs> absolutely not yeah can you imagine if
0: you try to look up a business and then in the search results it says unusually slow load times ugh i'm not clicking who's on that who's going to click on that i'm good nobody's going to click on that
1: my time is worth more even if it is just a second <laughs>
0: well this has been great conversation i hate to cut it short but i want to keep it tight we could probably ramble on four hours but we also need to have way more episodes in the future that's so we're true. gonna keep this going I, this might be the longest podcast we've ever put out so hopefully it was interesting to people i found it interesting i sure did uh austin thank you for being on chris i'm glad you're yeah. back thanks from austin. the dead it sounded like uh not a good situation. Yeah, it was not good place.
1: It was a good way to lose weight, but uh unfortunately I gained it all back pretty <laughs> quick, so. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> uh thanks
0: for listening to the Matchstick Studio podcast again. Check us out matchstickstudio.co in your browser and on Instagram. On your really, phone. On your phone, we don't do uh Facebook really cuz we hate it. Or Twitter, TikTok for that matter. Nah. We might. You never know what will happen. We on, like to own our TikTok. own space. Uh, we like to practice what we preach. We own our exactly. own space online. Uh, so check us out, matchstickstudio.co. Thanks for listening. We'll see you down the road. Later, everybody. Bye bye.